Um, the passage for today comes from Luke chapter 10, and it's the story about Martha and Mary. So I will just read it to you. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Now, prayer for a Christian is, um, they go in hand in hand, really. If you're a Christian, prayer is one of the things that we just do. And obviously, it's, a, it's the way that we connect to God. It's a way that we can come into his presence, time to listen to him, to hear what he has to say. And if you just take a step back, our prayer is such a massive, massive privilege. I mean, it's mind-blowing, really, to think that anywhere, at any time, we can talk to God. We can talk to the creator of the universe. We don't need to make an appointment. I mean, there are I'm not quite sure the statistics, billions of other Christians on the planet. And yet when we say a prayer, he hears it. We don't have to wait in line. I passionately believe in prayer. In fact, it was one of the reasons I was drawn to Emmaus Road um, is because um, Emmaus was birthed out of a prayer movement. But I don't think I'm that good at it. It's something that I do find really, really challenging. And I find it interesting that um, even the disciples, the 12 that spent quite a long time, well, spent all their time with Jesus, I wonder whether they sometimes found it difficult to pray. I mean, after all, they had to ask Jesus. They said, Lord, teach me how to pray. And I wonder if that's why they saw that Jesus was connecting in a way that they wanted to connect themselves and they were struggling to do so. I love the passage I've just read because um, it, it, it just shows that Jesus is encouraging us that the most important thing, the one thing, is to be with him. And it shows how easy it is to get our, to, to get our priorities um, uh, wrong. At that time, um, a woman's place was behind the scenes. Now, Mary and Martha um, were good friends of Jesus, and um, we're led to believe that he often went to stay with them, to eat with them. And I suspect most times that he went to be with them, it wasn't just him. He would have had his disciples in tow, and probably even other people. So you can imagine suddenly this crowd pitching up, um, uh, pitching up at Martha's house and she'd be rushing around trying to prepare this meal and it was obviously something that she was good at it was one of her giftings a gift of of, of hospitality 
But still, having a whole load of people pitch up, sometimes unannounced, I suspect, can be quite challenging. So I quite identify with her when she's getting a bit stressy when her sister, who was helping her, decided to sit at the feet of Jesus. What sometimes we miss now in our culture is actually what, how, you know, how radical um, Mary's behavior was at that time. In fact, at that time, it was customary for a Jewish man to pray every day to thank God that he was not born a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. And a common saying was that it was better for the Torah to be burnt than placed in the hands of a woman. So the mere fact that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, a great rabbi, listening intently, hanging on his every word, was absolutely scandalous. However, Jesus' response was radical as ever. I so love the way that he often just sidesteps all the sort of cultural um, expectations. He gently um, told Martha that basically she'd got her priorities wrong and that Mary was the one doing the right thing. He wasn't actually saying that what Martha was doing was wrong. So doing things and serving and doing things for the Lord is not wrong. But it can get in the way if we, if that becomes more, if we prioritize, sorry, if we prioritize that more than actually spending time with Jesus and with God. I think if we're always too busy to be with God, too busy to pray, too busy to read his word, if we're too busy to meditate on just his majesty or his purpose for us, too busy to enjoy a peaceful private time with him, too busy to listen to him, then it's time to question our priorities. It's no wonder, really, that our Christian walk might actually not be moving. We might have stagnated. And it's time to question whether we're actually missing the point. Now, I know life is busy, and I know um, all of us will be pulled in so many directions. So spending time with Jesus does take a bit of planning. I know as well, and I've seen it often, that it's very easy to get bogged down in our ministry to Jesus as well. We can get so busy by doing good works, but we actually neglect the one thing, and that is spending time with Jesus. And I think if we focus too much on doing stuff for God, rather than being with God, we're actually missing the point too. And I think the effectiveness of what we're trying to do will diminish. Cracks will appear, we'll get stressed out, and actually we won't be doing it in the way that God wants us to do it. And we'll be in danger of burning out. Now, of course, God wants us to have good things. He wants to bless us, bless our families, our relationships, our jobs, bless us with gifts. I mean, he just can't out-bless God. He wants us to have all those things, but he doesn't want them at the expense of us not spending time with him. It's so easy to get stressed out, isn't it? 
throughout the Bible, there are passages where God is telling us not to worry, not to be stressed, to let him come into our lives. And I particularly love um, this one from Matthew 11, and this is the message version. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I'm sure you agree that that just sounds wonderful. We just have to do that. He delights in spending time with us. He's not going to condemn us if we don't do it, but he just really, really desires time with us. He wants to do life with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants us to laugh with him, to cry with him. He just wants us to spend time with him. Of course, he has a purpose for us. And the only way we're going to find out that purpose is by spending time with him. I don't know if you, um, well, know people, I'm sure you do, that just seem to have a hotline to God. I just, I love spending time with people like that. Um, There's a, a, a lady that I used to go to a Bible study and prayer group with. Um, she's very elderly now, so sadly doesn't do it. She's called Beth. And I used to go weekly with a group of friends, and she was just an inspirational woman. She was tiny, she was really frail, and she had one of those Bibles that was so well thumbed that every page looked like it had been read about a hundred times. And she would talk and pick out verses and instantly know where to go around the Bible. I just think, wow, I would love to be able to do that. And we always used to lean in, because she had quite a quiet voice, to hear all the nuggets that she had for us. But oh my goodness, when she prayed, it felt like the walls were trembling. I've rarely heard anyone pray with such power and such faith. It was utterly, utterly amazing. I love spending time with people like that. And I think the key that they have is the time they spend with the Lord. These people that seem to have a hotline with God, I think it's directly proportional to the time and the quality time that they spend with God. In Thessalonians, it says to us that we should, Paul says that we should rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But what does it mean to pray continually? It sounds absolutely impossible, doesn't it? I think what it means is we've just got to have an attitude of God consciousness. We just have to be Try and be aware that he is with us always. He's around us always. 
He's there for us to talk to always. And he's actually always talking to us, although probably we're not aware of it. I think it's meaning that we have to tune our spiritual antennae so that we can pick up more of what he is saying and be able to talk to him more. Joyce Meyer um, said this. She said, years ago, I could have told you that I prayed an hour every day. But now I can't even determine how long I pray because I just pray every time I see or feel a need. I pray while I'm driving. I pray whilst working, whilst relaxing. Sometimes I just stop what I'm doing and praise God. And that's prayer too. I cast my cares on him and say, Lord, I'm not going to worry about anything today. I'm giving it all to you. Prayer should be like breathing, natural to do anywhere you are. And I love that. Prayer should be like breathing, natural to do anywhere you are. I love the fact as well that um, no heartfelt, heartfelt, faithful prayer is ever lost. When we pray, we say the words, whether it's in our mind or out loud, they sort of take on this um, uh, timeless, eternal perspective. Prayers enter a spiritual realm. And something happens in this spiritual realm, even if we feel nothing's happening in the natural realm. And I'm sure many of us here, if not all of us here today, are actually reaping the benefits of prayers that were said years ago, even hundreds of years ago, or even thousands of years ago. I've no idea why sometimes God answers prayers immediately, why sometimes... He doesn't answer them, or the answer is a no. Or sometimes it takes years for an answer to come. I don't know. That's something that I have to trust him with. But I do trust that he hears those prayers. In the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, um, there's a lovely description of an altar with golden bowls full of incense that's the prayers of the saints. And I love that image that just our prayers are collected and stored there, that God hears our prayers, that none of them that we say are wasted. And a little bit later on, it then says that in God's perfect timing, those prayers are mixed with his power and flung back down to earth to change our circumstances. I love that. I love that. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, and many of you may know this, but uh, Emmaus Road was birthed out of a prayer movement. And that was one of the things that really attracted me um, to Emmaus. And the prayer movement was the 24-7 prayer movement. And that was birthed from a vision that Pete had don't know how many years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was, um, of thousands of young people praying, thousands of young prayer warriors. And as I said, that led to the birth of 24-7 prayer, and then there's number of communities scattered, along the world, uh, scattered around the world. So I love the fact that we are part of something bigger. 
but part of something that was just birthed out of prayer. Prayer has so shaped the identity of Emmaus Road. It's part of our DNA. God loves to build things on a foundation of prayer. And I think Emmaus Road, well, I don't think, I know Emmaus Road, we can look around and just see that God is clearly blessing Emmaus Road. I mean, so many more people are coming to the services. Just have to look at the young people, the children. Um, There's ministries are all popping up out of here. The work, um, the family outreach work, so many amazing things are happening. But in this time of blessing, we've got to be careful that we don't get complacent. And I really feel that God is calling us back to the fundamental foundations of prayer as a community. Bill Kuzak had a word um, not so long ago, and it was, don't forget the rock from which you were hewn. And again, I think that was just calling us back to prayer. It's calling us to all these amazing other things that are happening We've got to be careful that we don't forget the one thing that Jesus wants us to do, and that is to be with him, to seek him, to pray to him, to spend time with him. In Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, um, it says this. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And who wouldn't want more of that? So how can we um, uh, uh, do that? How can we pray more in our ever-busy, crazy lives? And obviously there are so many different resources um, uh, that help to pray books and DVDs and courses, etc., etc. I think it requires discipline, as I said earlier. And somebody once said to me that discipline is like a muscle. You have to exercise it. And the thing is, is to choose something small and doable and then build on that. So if it's literally saying, okay, I'm going to just try and start to pray for two or three minutes a day, but I'm going to do that every day and commit to do that. You can build on that. It's like going to the gym in a way, isn't it? That You get this sort of thing, right, I'm going to go and be really fit and I'm going to do this, and you do it for two or three weeks, doing far too much than your poor body can cope, and then you give up. One of the things that um, uh, that we used to do when I was doing a school run, we did uh, what our family co- coined was morning prayers on the school run. And um, they weren't very holy sometimes with the children. Please pray that we're not late when we're already 15 minutes late. <laughs> but at least I was trying to just get the kids and me to focus on God at the beginning of the day. Holly told us about the 24-7 prayer week coming up. And again, I would so encourage you to sign up for that. It is just amazing, amazing. 
The other thing I would encourage you to think about is prayer partners or prayer groups. Through my life, that has been a real, real godsend, a real um, just amazing time. And there are um, ladies that I pray with now that we have been together for 20 years. And they have stood by me through the ups and downs. Collectives as well. Don't underestimate um, collectives. That is a fantastic time to come together, to pray, to come into the presence of God, to learn how to support each other. A number of years ago, my husband James was diagnosed with cancer. And you can imagine just what a horrendous um, bomb that was sort of landed on our laps um, at, at that time. We had three little children. And our collective then were utterly amazing. And I remember on the day that we got the diagnosis, um, that evening, one of the people from our, um, our collective sat on our doorstep all night and just prayed and interceded for us. We actually had no idea he was there and doing that. But what I can say is we slept through the night and woke up in the morning, which, considering the diagnosis we'd just been given, was utterly incredible. Thankfully, James is absolutely fine now and, and cured of that. Jesus um, promises that when two or more are gathered in his name, he will be there. And Spurgeon once said, he said, the prayers of a saint are sweet, but the prayers of saints are sweeter. So when we come together in prayer, there is this amazing sense of unity and something really powerful and quite affirming to us and to God happens. Now, I know it can sometimes be really, really tough, um, and especially when prayers are, are seemingly not answered. But I think so often in those situations, what God is teaching us to do is actually seek him rather than seek the answer. Prayer as well just builds community. And especially when answered prayers are shared. I think that just a, a testimony, um, somebody's testimony just brings, um, you know, just such a sense of glory to God and brings the community together and raises faith. And I just want to finish by um, a story of an amazing answer to prayer that happened to us as a family. My son, um, Joshua, a few years ago, had a nasty elbow accident where he basically ripped off some of the ligaments of his elbow joint. And he had to have it operated on twice, in fact, because the first operation didn't work. Now, he was a big, sporty lad. And for two years, he couldn't do any sport. And he was just really gutted by this, found it really hard. And the second operation, it stabilized the joint but he was left with this fixed flexion of his elbow joint, meaning that he couldn't straighten his arm properly. And he just was really not happy with that at all. And two years ago, he went to Soul Survivor with a group of young people here um, and the, the youth team with Matt. And on the last evening, um, Hudson, who's Pete and Sammy's son, prayed for Josh 
And God came and filled Josh so powerfully that his elbow was healed. And we didn't know anything about it. He didn't tell us. And I think the last night of... Last night, didn't tell us at that point, the last night of Soul Survivor, they stay up all night. So when we got him back home the following day, he was really, really grotty, so tired. You know, children have had no sleep. So he crashed out for a, for a few hours. And then when he got up, we heard him clanking around and he was going to the pull-up bar. And before, on the pull-up bar, he would hang there and he would hang all crooked because he had one arm that he couldn't straight. And suddenly we heard him just cry out. And he said, I'm hanging straight. I'm hanging straight. Of course, we ran downstairs and things. He said, God's healed my elbow. Healed my elbow. I'm hanging straight. And he was so emotional. First thing he wanted to do was call Huddy and phone Huddy and Matt. And it was just the most incredible time. Really lifted his faith. We were all praising God and crying. It was just amazing. So any testimony of God's work in your life is just, just such a wonderful thing to share. Um, we're about to go and into communion now. Um, and so I just would really encourage you um, in this time of communion, in a period of reflection, to just ask God to reveal himself to you in a bigger, a newer, and a more fresh way than you can ever imagine. Should we just pray? Mm, Lord God, we just thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you that we can pray to you at any time, in any place. That we can share anything with you, that you listen, that you hear our prayers that no prayer we say is ever lost. And Lord God, I just thank you, Lord, that you do have good and perfect plans for each one of us. And I pray now as we just come and remember the fact that you sent your son to die for us, I just ask that you speak to each of us in a new and powerful way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.